Hey friend, if you've been around here for a while, you may have noticed this podcast has already started off a little different than most. There was no jingle in today's intro, um, but that's because today's episode is a bit more delicate and tough, and I didn't think the jingle really helped present that. Since we're friends, you should know that in June, Will and I, my husband, walked through a miscarriage. After the doctor confirmed what was happening, it took a while for it to sink in and realize that miscarriage was now part of our pregnancy story. What I didn't know was one in four women have a miscarriage, and although it's common, it doesn't overshadow the fact that you can feel very alone. Throughout the weeks that followed our miscarriage, friends and family showed up through gifts and flowers, check-ins and drop-bys, and we were lucky to have those people in our life to help us walk through it, process through it, and navigate it all. During that time, my sister-in-law sent me a devotional called Held. 31 Biblical Reflections on God's Comfort and Care in the Sorrow of Miscarriage by Abby Wedgworth. So I wanted to bring Abby on the podcast to help bring wisdom, perspective, and care to us as we walk through miscarriage or as we walk with friends through miscarriage and pregnancy loss. Here's our conversation. All right. Well, Abby, today we're talking about a delicate topic, I would say. Um, It is about miscarriage and loss and how to walk with a friend through miscarriage and loss. And so before I get into some questions that I personally have um, about this topic, I would love for you um, to share a little bit about your story and how Mm -hmm. it intertwines with the whole um, topic of miscarriage and loss. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to affirm you. I think you are really filling a hole by hosting this particular podcast episode. I get DMs all the time. They're like, my friend is miscarrying. What do I do? What do I not do? What? And I'm, well, here are 4.5 paragraphs of things, you know? So I'm just glad I will be so excited to just send this podcast episode to people. Um, and I love that you are seeing that need and meeting it. I think that's really sweet. Um, okay. So a little bit of our story is after our, um, Let's see, our first son had just had his first birthday and we were not trying to have another baby at that time on purpose and um, found out we were pregnant extremely unexpectedly and almost in a way that was like, not, I mean, obviously it was not immaculate conception, but we were both just like, how? And it took us a minute. It took us a minute because we were not, I mean, I had had a hard postpartum experience and we were not, we were going to take our time. So, um, we were caught off guard and then we got excited. I mean, obviously we were excited, but it took a minute. Um, we got excited and we went to the appointment. We prayed on the way that we would hear heartbeat and we did at our first appointment. And then we were pumped, like really excited and, um, just really excited about our firstborn being a sibling and, um, yeah, just timing everything like, okay, I'll be, I'll be this big at Halloween. And we do like a big, cool, big belly costume. And, you know, you start planning immediately. <laughs> you do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the next appointment I went to, um, they just like pulled in the little ultrasound machine. Well, they, they used like the Doppler first and they couldn't find the heartbeat with the Doppler, which I'm like, well, you know, 12 appointment, like it's probably just hiding in a corner or something. And I was actually kind of excited Kendra, because when they wheel in the machine, then you get to look. And I just always okay. wanted to see, you know, like it's more mm-hmm. fun to see than here. Well, when they brought in that machine, they still couldn't find this little baby. 
Um, and, and he was like, well, we should be seeing more. Let's try to use the big machine, which then I'm like really pumped because we're going to re- get a real clear image <laughs> oh. now, you know? Yeah. Um, and then they sent me to the waiting room and I had not thought any negative thoughts. Like I was just excited to get to see the baby, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then as I was in there, the longer I was in the waiting room, I just was like, got sort of a sinking feeling. I texted my sister-in-law and was like, at first I was like, oh, I'm sure the baby's just hiding. Now I'm kind of wondering, like, could something be wrong? Mm -hmm. Um, And my sister-in-law doesn't live very far from my OB office. And the next person to walk in the waiting room is my sister-in-law who had had multiple miscarriages. And she just came and sat with me. And um, my denial (laughs) continued when we got back into the room and there was no heartbeat. And I um, just thought everyone there must be totally incompetent. And looked at her and was like, is there no heartbeat? Like, can they really not find this? And she, her eyes were just tear filled and she shook her head. And it was one of the most surreal moments in my life where it's like, you know, you, you know, that it happens, mm-hmm. but I just couldn't believe it was happening to me. Um, and they call that a missed miscarriage where there's no bleeding, there's no cramping, there's no, um, like sign of anything that's happened. And, um, I went home and just like fervently prayed that my body would, well, first I prayed that it would be wrong. And then I prayed that my body would get with the program, recognize what had happened and take care of it. Something must be done. Um, and yeah, so we ended up using medication because, um, the Lord did not answer that prayer infection became a risk. Um, I shouldn't say he didn't answer it. He didn't answer it the way that I asked him to. Um, but in his providential will, he determined what was good for me which was, um, to induce that, that delivery at home, um, which was a complicated thing. I mean, the medicine they give is the same thing that they offer for, um, abortion. So that was like mm-hmm. a hard and hospitable feeling thing. They did one more ultrasound graciously for me. Cause I wanted to make absolutely sure before we took measures, um, to rid my body of the pregnancy and, um, the baby was absolutely not living and I'm grateful to for that extra ultrasound, but yeah, that was, um, it was a long road of suffering after that. Um, I had never been acquainted with death so intimately as it being inside my body. And there were some theological questions that came with that. And then, um, it began sort of a longer period of suffering with some different, um, bodily and medical things. And then, yeah, that's our experience with pregnancy loss. It was just so much more sad than I ever imagined. I think I had heard women say like, Oh, I had a miscarriage between my first and second or like, Oh, I lost a baby at six weeks. And you're like, Oh, that's sad. Move on. You know, but the trauma of it, I just had no idea. And your body goes through afterbirth, right. The way that you would, you know, hormonally and, um, the way that you would, if you had carried a pregnancy all the way to the end. So yeah, I learned a lot. And then that is the reason that I wrote the book held. I just was looking for a resource that was theologically rich and biblically driven, um, that would walk through grief with a woman as a companion and sort of, um, protect her spiritually as she grappled with a bunch of questions, validating her grief and, um, confronting her hard emotions instead of sweeping them under the rug or, you know, ministering to her with fluffy falsehoods instead of like harder truths that were more comforting in the end. So, 
yeah, that's probably a longer answer maybe than you wanted. No, I think that was a great answer. And your devotional um, held 31 biblical reflections on God's comfort and care in the sorrow miscarriage. I mean, that's how I got connected with you or heard about you was because I went through a miscarriage um, and my sister-in-law got me this devotional and um, she knew it was a great resource. And so I got it in the mail and it was the, the kindest gift that I could have received as I was going through what I was going through. And you bring up the whole, you bring up your story and I see reflections of it in mine. Of course, it's not the same thing. Every miscarriage and loss is very different, but I think of you in the waiting room and I think of myself in the waiting room and like, it's such, it's such a picture of, of, of waiting for anything that you as you're going through the miscarriage or as you're waiting for anything and you see other people getting what you want or like Mm -hmm. going back for, you know, an ultrasound and maybe they do hear the heartbeat and you're Mm -hmm. waiting there and hoping that you have different answers or hoping that something comes out a little different than what's going on in your body. And it's just so, it's so life. You see people Mm -hmm. walking through the doors and you see people celebrating something that you ultimately want or that you have come to um, the conclusion of being excited about and then yeah. to not get it or to receive it in such a different way is, um, yeah. is so, is so hard. Yeah. Um, and you talk about your sister-in-law coming to your side at that moment, which is so sweet that I'm sure she just dropped everything to join you in that, in that moment. Um, and so I would love to talk a little bit about um, what, friends of friends going through miscarriages or or sisters or anybody really can do to support somebody who's walking through a loss like this. And so maybe using your sister-in-law as an example, what are some things that people can do if they know someone walking through a miscarriage or a loss in that way? Yeah. I think the number one ministry, the way to minister to someone who is walking through pregnancy loss, no matter the stage is just to validate their grief. Um, and that's what she did really by walking through the door is saying, this is a big enough deal for me to drop what I'm doing and come. Uh, I think a lot of times just because we want, we don't like it when people are suffering. We don't like when people are uncomfortable. We want to kind of like move on or like, let's, let's go to the next thing, you know, like, um, but to sit with someone in their grief validates it. You know, when you say like, oh, there'll be another baby or at least you were early, like you're, you're trying to move past it so that no one has to feel uncomfortable, but right. there's still pain there. Um, and I think to say like, Hey, this might be early, but it was, this is really sad mm-hmm. or, Hey, you might've only been five weeks, but that's still a baby. And this is really hard, you know, um, to hold space for that grief is a greater ministry, I think, than, than people realize. So yeah, I think that's the number way, one way that I would say, um, be a friend to someone who is suffering pregnancy loss. I think you totally speak to like the, the early twenties, Kendra. Um, I, (laughs) first off, I'm, I am so awkward when it comes to anything that isn't positive and happy. So I'm great at being positive. I'm great at being happy, but when anything happens where it's uncomfortable, um, awkwardness in a conversation conflict, it can be as simple as that, or as, as heavy as, somebody passing away or miscarriage. Um, right. I'm the first used to be the first one to offer a positive. Yeah. And now yeah. that I'm on this side and now I'm 30 walked through a, a miscarriage, 
you're speaking to to me and and wanting to rush through a process, but rushing through a process doesn't heal. Yeah. It actually hinders the healing process. Yeah. Well, I will say just to encourage you, like you and I are opposites. First of all, I'm like, (laughs) are we having fun? Am I doing this right? You know, like you and I are opposites, but, um, the world needs young Kendra's too. Like, I think, um, it takes all kinds, you know? And so if, if someone listening is like, that's not really my strength, sobbing with someone and I'm so uncomfortable. That's my sister-in-law, the one that came into the waiting room. That's fine. And like, oh, this is bad. Marcia's here. Cause <laughs> she just like, is so fun. And she's like, let's go get a snack. Like, let's go get yeah. ice cream. Let's <laughs> go play. You know, like she's yeah. seven of all Enneagram sevens. Um, but yeah, the world needs those people who are like, let's go have fun. Let's mm-hmm. escape. Because I think part of escaping at times is acknowledging your humanity like we don't have the capacity to cry every second. We can't live Mm -hmm. there, you know? And so we do need people with levity and the gift of like, let's go play Papa. That person is important, but you can be that person without saying like, this isn't a big deal, you know? Right. 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 It's just kind of like how you alter it a little bit. Um, Yeah. I think that comes with just life and being Mm -hmm. on the other side of it and whatnot, but yes, there is room. Um, I, one of my friends and coworkers says there's room in the kingdom for, insert name here. And so no matter how you're built or how you operate, like there's room in the kingdom. So you're right. I think it's good. (laughs) I love young Kendra. Yes. Yes. Um, and so your sister-in-law did the sweetest thing, dropped what she did, sat with you in your grief. And so let's talk about maybe the opposite end of that, which we kind of hit on a little bit, but what are some, some things maybe you've, you've seen others do, or maybe even yourself have done that don't necessarily help in a situation specifically for miscarriage and loss? Is there something that somebody said or did, or, um, that you would say, Hey, try to try to shy away from doing those things. If you're walking with somebody through this. Yeah, I think, I mean, we have an unbelievable community, Kendra, and I'm so grateful for the Lord's provision for us. And, you know, like we didn't know in our early married small groups, those would be the people showing up with pizza, you know, and sitting with us. And, um, so we've, I feel like our community, uh, was awesome when there was, there's really only one thing. I mean, people say dumb stuff, you know, and that's just going to be across the board, especially the generations above us that just, this wasn't really talked about. And then their muscles for talking about it aren't really, uh, easily flexed, you know? Um, but one thing I would urge against, um, is surprises. I think a lot of times we're tempted to want to fill a certain role and we make a mistake when we look at someone else's hardship as an opportunity to assess our standing or importance and friendship with them. Mm. We want to fill a certain role in their grief. Um, and the more Christ-like position, which is humility and selflessness, seeking the good of the other over your selfish ambition, you know, um, would be, what do you need from me? which sometimes is nothing. And we need to be comfortable doing nothing because mm-hmm. there might be other players that are doing something, you know? Um, and, and always we have the option to pray, which is the most important thing we can do. And I think that's a gift to the person who wants to be important or play an important role in someone else's suffering. Because when you entrust someone to the Lord, you recognize that he is writing their story and mm-hmm. your role um, or your sense of self-importance or responsibility uh, sort of dwindles as you recognize his sovereign control and his competency, if that makes sense. So you can kind of like settle down a little bit. Um, but I had 
I had someone um, do something uh, as a surprise. Um, yeah. it, it felt um, violating. It was a kind thing, a kind gesture. Mm-hmm. Um, but Just the context know, I, of it. it, it felt violating. And so I think I would avoid surprises um, and let, let them be the way, which means you lead the way, which means you um, ask with specificity, right? Like here are your choices, A, B, C, or D, none of the above, you yeah. know, and then let them say, um, so yeah, or asking specific, yeah, just specific questions, I think can That's good. be really helpful. Yeah. I think no surprises is one of the only things I would say beyond um, just not saying silly stuff. Which I don't know. Do you want to talk about that? Is that okay to oh my just gosh, chat about things do. not to say? I would, you can even, if you want to provide a PDF of list of like, here's what not yes. to say. Yeah. I would <laughs> so say would be anything that begins resource. with at least just cross it off. <laughs> Whatever you're going to say, if you're opening your mouth and it starts with at least, just don't say it. You know, because okay, you that's think a good about the danger places you're going, like anything that's at, at least is, is going to invalidate. Mm-hmm. And that's the opposite of what you want to do. You know, like the Psalms or the book of the Bible that God's given us to help us navigate this life and sing. And it's the songs that we should sing to one another, right? Encourage each other with Psalms and and hymns and spiritual songs. So we want to meet people in the dark with, with words that let them be in the dark when they're in the darkness, you know, like this is hard. This is sad. There's room to sing that. Um, So at least when we jump that spiritual, that, that silver lining, we can sort of circumvent what the word is trying to do. Like David walks through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, he doesn't sprint and the Lord is leading him through that. Um, and we need to allow people to be on the journey. So I would say, don't rush their grief with an, at least that's a gift to, to their spiritual journey, even, um, cause that's probably their temptation too. And God has a special work he wants to do for them in that season of loss. So yeah, I would say anything that starts with at least when we say at least it was early, we're invalidating the life. Mm-hmm. Like it would be harder if it was later which might be true or it might not be depending on the person. Um, at least like it's happening at, or at least this, this child wasn't born with like special needs. And then like, what are we saying about dignity then of people who yeah. have, have limited abilities or like, maybe I really would have wanted that person with li- limited abilities. So it, there are just a lot of assumptions behind it at least. Um, I think also like anything that points to, responsibility, like, well, you were working out really hard. So, you know, maybe you weren't getting enough calories or, well, you like, at first you really weren't excited about this pregnancy. So maybe your body just kind of like new and like Mm -hmm. anything that points to personal responsibility, I think is just unproductive. Um, and can you, we, we just causing shame is such a stumbling block to the healing process. Um, and probably the way that pregnancy culture is with like, don't eat deli meat. Don't do, you know, like there are a million rules. And so, you know, like she's already probably thinking, is it because I took an aspirin? Like just ridiculous things. So I think that's so easy to do, especially being somebody and, and both of us walk through uh, a miscarriage of, of you instantly when it's happening or when it's the doctor lets you know, it's happening. However you find out 
you start going through the Rolodex of things that yeah. you have done up until that point. And you're like, yes. oh no, it's because I had a glass of wine a few days. Yep. You know, like you just like go through if you didn't know and you, you know, um, it can be really hard and you can really beat yourself up. And so you're yeah. right, like heaping shame on somebody else who's walking through it. Probably they've already done it to themselves and they're yeah. working through it at their own pace. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. When scripture is a gift to you, this is like, I think we always want to, we talked earlier about like, um, fluffy falsehoods, you know, but they're also trite platitudes, like everything works together for good. Like, I think we have to be careful. My friend, Brittany uses the phrase theological malpractice, which I love. Like we have to be really careful when we are communicating God's truth to do it in a way that's gentle, Mm -hmm. um, and kind and meets people where they are, you know, um, with what they're ready to hear. So one of my favorite ways to, to, get scripture into the mind or heart or someone of someone who's grieving is to say like, Hey, I'm, I prayed this verse over you today. Mm-hmm. And then they can go read it or they want, but it goes farther. I think than too, than, um, I prayed for you. Cause what yeah. does that even mean? You know, yeah. good vibes, <laughs> but to say with specificity, like I prayed Romans eight, 28 through 32 over you today. Yeah. You know, and like you that. How the, the scripture is going to speak to them. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. When they're ready to read it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That Sorry, I'm like a ping pong baller here going all over the place. Oh my gosh, I don't think you're a ping pong ball at all. I think you are serving up exactly <laughs> what is needed. All right. We stick direction. with the analogy and that response. That's really kind. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, I know also uh when I was thinking, I want to talk a little bit about the tension that we can feel if you have walked through anything like this to those listening of it can be, it can be miscarriage and loss. Or I was talking to Abby before we hit record about how I felt the tension of celebration and longing very Mm -hmm. clearly when I was single and wanted to be married. And so with social media, it becomes more prevalent. Uh, If you see a friend get engaged, you long for that, but you're also excited for them, but they have something that you want. And so I want to talk a little bit about the tension of celebration and longing as it pertains to loss. And Mm -hmm. what do you have? um, Do you have anything to add to that that might help, you know, balancing both? Because that's a really hard place to be. Yeah, it is hard. Um, Yeah. And I think grief is not sin, but it's also not a license to sin. Um, and I, that, that becomes like a tricky place because the world tells us we're entitled to like, feel whatever, do whatever, respond, whatever, when we are grieving. Um, and they're, they're definitely, I think we have a ways to go in understanding grief, but there's still the command, all the one and others in the new Testament. Right. So I think of Romans 12 and the command to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Like those are, that's a tall order for the body, you know, but it's still a marching order. Um, And so, and there is that tension. Abigail Dodd says, we have to be careful not to make someone else's blessing our hardship. Mm. Um, And I think we do that because we don't understand how to hold tension and because um, Satan is a tricky booger. (laughs) you know? And so he's, he'll, he'll take like, you know, you were starting to rejoice, but then we feel a little sad and just it's envy, you know? Um, and I think we have to get better at holding that tension that we live in, that we all live in as believers at the already and the not yet, you know, Mm -hmm. like rejoicing over good things, grieving, hard things, 
and letting her story be her story and your story be your story all at once, because that command is issued because we need each other. Mm-hmm. You know, like the church needs your weeping if you are miscarrying or and the church needs your rejoicing. Um, so I think if you are like having panic attacks, you know, all the time and, and it's hard to be around people like that's a different thing. That's like a, a stumbling block and psychological burden. But I think um, it doesn't have to look like going to the baby shower. It doesn't have to look like going out of your way to send a card, but it does have to look like repenting if you're like wanting someone else to suffer like you're suffering. That's unkind, you know? Right. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. But I was pregnant uh, with my sister when, when we lost that baby. And um, she has a beautiful five-year-old boy who was born around the time that our baby's due date was. Mm-hmm. And I don't ever see him next to our oldest son without wondering, you know, yeah. but there are two ways to see her continued pregnancy. Um, and like after my belly wasn't growing, you know, mm-hmm. like it can be, and it, and it is always a reminder of the baby we lost every time, mm-hmm. but it's also a reminder of God's kindness because I cannot get over a God who allows human flourishing after the fall that Mm -hmm. he sustains any life in this broken world is like, wow. And so Matthew is such a sweet reminder. My nephew is such a sweet reminder of God's grace that he sustains life in a fallen world. Um, and so I think, yeah, it's worth, it's worth grieving what's, what's grievous and it's worth celebrating what's, what's, what's something to celebrate, you know? Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's a really beautiful perspective on, like you said, like after the fall, which is Genesis three, if anybody would like to go read that really, really early on in the Bible, uh, Genesis three, very sad story. Yeah. Is when things <laughs> Why do you do that? Downhill, right. Yeah. Um, and it's just a beautiful perspective of, of the kind of God that we serve and mm-hmm. his character. And I know you write, you write about that in your devotional held about God's character. I think it's the first thing you write about maybe first or second. Yeah. Um, and it's a great way to start off the devotional because it just really lays the, lays the groundwork for what we're about to go on in these 31 days together through your devotional. So it's beautiful. Um, but with the whole idea of celebration and longing, um, just maybe a few, maybe a few weeks ago, um, we had the opportunity to celebrate with three couples, different times, uh, announcing their pregnancy. Mm. And the third one really took me out like emotionally. Of course, I, I put on a really great face for the time being, because obviously I wasn't going to ruin their moment with like our moment. Um, and so we got home after celebrating and I was just really down for the count. I was sad. I was, I was just really in a, not great mood. And, um, my husband was like, Hey, what's going on? And I told him nothing. And I went to bed and I felt the Holy spirit say, you need to tell your husband, like you need to bring will into just the the sadness that you're feeling. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to, like, he doesn't need to know I can handle it on my own. This well, is eventually, fun. <laughs> yeah, right. Eventually I told him and it was, even though it was like, it was sad, it was a beautiful moment of, of Will and I getting the opportunity to share how people announcing their pregnancy made us feel sometimes. Yeah. And I thought Will was over our miscarriage. Like I thought he had moved on. He was good. Mm-hmm. He grieved it. He was able to, you know, to walk 
to walk forward. But that conversation allowed us to see like, Hey, no, like sometimes it still does sting him a little bit. when he hears, you know, somebody, um, is celebrating a pregnancy. And so it was just a beautiful moment amidst a lot of emotion, uh, first realizing I wasn't alone and that I wasn't wild for still having these, these emotions well up inside of me, but also it just brought us together in our marriage because we were able to kind of see where each other was and, um, minister to each other in that. And so if, um, you know, there wasn't that celebration and longing. I don't know if that conversation would have happened, which made us both feel a little less alone in our marriage. And so, yes. um, it was a, it was a beautiful moment amidst a really hard moment, but isn't that life? I mean, yeah. it's yeah. not all, not all roses all the time. Yeah. And you raised a really important point, bringing up what's uncomfortable and how we don't want to do it. And I feel like I spoke a lot to the person who's grieving mm-hmm. in my response, but I think it's also important when you're on the other side, like the person who's celebrating, um, it's uncomfortable, but I think one of the best things we can do is acknowledge the elephant in the room, not publicly, you know, but just, you know, after the invitation goes out or whatever, just send a text that says, Hey, I'm not going to pretend I know how it feels to get this invitation. I'm not going to pretend that I know how it feels to get, to come to the shower, but I just want you to know that like as excited as I am about what's happening in my life, I'm, I'm still really sad. And I want you to know, I remember, mm-hmm. and I'm sorry, you know, and cause you don't have to pretend it's harder than it is, or it's actually not as good as it is. Or but I think one dangerous thing that happens is like, you know, Kendra, if you're pregnant and I really want to be pregnant and mm-hmm. you're vomiting every day and like, can't do your life. And you know, things are really hard for you or your symptoms or whatever. They're like, I'm not going to show up for you because I'm like, her life is easy because she's pregnant. And then we mm-hmm. stop caring for one another or meeting right. each other where, you know, there are all kinds of hardships. Um, so I think that's important to remember too, that just because someone has what you're longing for, doesn't mean everything is easy or good, you know, yeah. but yeah. I do think it's important as someone who is in a season of abundance, um, to care, to care well and see, for, see the person who is, is, is in a season of hardship. Yeah. So that, that's really special as well. Uh, and, in our story, uh, I remember uh, a pregnancy announcement happening and, and my friend uh, who was sitting beside me turned to me in, in private and was like, hey, like, are you okay? Which was really mm-hmm. kind. But then there was me, um, you know, like trying to like hold it together. But it was really yeah. sweet that it wasn't lost on her what it might feel like. And it was just really kind. And so I think the whole idea of remembering what your friends are going through is such a sweet reminder to us, you know, like that means a lot, just checking in or, um, like sending a text, like you said, um, just means a lot. And I think is, um, can be lost in our culture with so many things going on and thinking, you know, you, maybe, you know, somebody, or maybe you felt like you reached out because you liked a picture on social media, you know, just the going above what you think, um, and reaching out means a lot. Yeah. And that's such a gift. I feel like it's a reminder. God sees like every time we Mm -hmm. see we, we fight the lie for others that they're unseen in their grief or in their suffering. Yeah. So good. So good. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, um, I have two more questions before we close out our time together. This has been so insightful and just, um, this has been healing. Is this the end? We have to stop. I know. Can you believe it? Maybe like part two. (laughs) Or just like coffee Um, later next time I'm in your area. Deal. Come on down. We would love, we would love to have you in in good old Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, what do you have any other encouragement for somebody either who's walking through loss or maybe ministering to somebody who's walking through loss? Anything else you'd like to add about that whole topic? 
Mm. Yeah, I think I would say like scripture has given us all that we need. Um, it's sufficient. I would say, I think we reach for things that aren't true or that aren't guaranteed. Like, of course there'll, there'll be another baby or we, we settle for like hope this side of heaven, which there mm-hmm. is plenty of. Um, but I would just encourage people who are ministering to people who are grieving that like the things we experience this side of heaven that really suck are, are meant to, to move our lips to say Maranatha, like come Lord Jesus and make it right. Mm-hmm. And I would stick to what's actually true when you're trying yeah. to encourage someone, which is like, this stinks. Jesus came to fix it and he's going to yeah. fix it, you know, or, yeah. or I know you're wondering where God is and what he's done about it, but like he did something about it. He's doing something about it in sending this yeah. son. Um, yeah. So I would stick to the things that are true. And I would also say um, to be humble and not pretend to know more than you do. Oh, you know, like word. some, some in things are areas, mysterious. Well. Yeah. Some things are mysterious and we exalt God as the one who knows all things when we let them be mysteries. Yeah. You know, the secret things belong to the Lord. And I think a lot of pain could be avoided if we stopped pretending that we knew answers that we don't know. Um, yeah. yeah. So I would say that, you write about it, that in your devotional too, about oh. how some things are not revealed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. very fresh, Abby. It's yeah. very fresh. If we could you just said, know everything, it wouldn't hurt. Right. You're right. You said on page 51, <laughs> if anybody has the devotional, we can trust that if God has not revealed it, it isn't something we need, we need to know in order to grow or to grieve. Yeah. And so similarly, it's not something you need to say, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. But I think it's just to the person who's suffering. Gosh, I just ache for this person, mm-hmm. you know, we're w- walking through a different brand of suffering in our family right now. And I just, I think when we experience hardship, we become so suspicious of God's character. It's one of the reasons I wrote this devotional just as a protection, because we start to believe things about him, assume things about him that aren't true. And it just makes it so much harder because it drives us away from his comfort and his strength and his help, because we're like, I don't want to get near you. I can't trust you. You know, Mm -hmm. the reality is he's trustworthy. And I think that's what I would say. The person who's suffering is like, it's so hard to understand how he can be powerful and good when bad things happen. Yeah. It's so hard to understand, but he is good. He sees, he knows, he cares, and he's capable. And you can trust him. And it's worth the fight. It's worth the fight to trust him. And you, and yeah, I mean, there are a million things too, but I would just say like, keep running to him with your tears and, and, He's big enough to take it like your, your lament and your confusion. Um, and I think the more we come to him, you know, it's like beating on a big, strong man when you're crying, like eventually you're just going to give way and fall into his arms, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I would just keep, keep beating on his chest and running to him. Um, Cause it's a way better place than away. It's a way better place than running away. Yeah. I think yeah. that's great. Thank you. That was, that was wonderful. Um, all right. Well, Abby, to end our time together, I do need to know, um, what is your favorite kind of chip, which I know is like a weird transition of like, uh, we're talking about loss, but then like, let's talk about chips. I know, but 
I do. I mean, Hey, food is great and healing for the soul as well. When yes, somebody is grieving and lost. So yes, it is. If, you know, if, if you were going through a hard time and somebody wanted to bring you a bag of chips, what chips would they be? I know we didn't even talk about that. A gift bag with food is a great idea. Always. <laughs> there you go. Um, also this is like off brand a little bit. Wine also helps. I feel like it was helpful for me to be like, to do things I wouldn't have done if I was pregnant. It was sort of like helpful for me to be like, okay, I'm not pregnant. Hot bath. Okay. That gets the mind, okay. gets mind in a different spot. Favorite chip though. I think like the baked barbecue. Blaze. Yeah. Yeah. Those are good. But baked. The other ones are like too greasy. Can't enjoy them. You know what I did the other day? This kind of has to do with the baked situation. Um, I was driving by a grocery store and I had to buy, I had to get a bottle of wine for a dinner party. And I literally walked to the chip aisle, did not get my favorite kind of chip and went towards baked Cheetos. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Which is so different for me. It's so different. Sometimes they turn out stale. Sometimes those are stale or you're stale. Okay. But this bag wasn't, but yes, you're right. You just never know. And you got to eat it pretty quickly. Uh, But that was just weird for me. So the whole, when you said baked, it triggered my baked Cheetos. Mm-hmm. Wait, what's your favorite chip? Kettle cooked, plain kettle cooked chip. Okay. Because they go with everything and they are just a staple. You know what you're getting? Yeah. You're just- yeah. I really worry about the um, salt and vinegar people. Oh yeah. You know what? I got to take those in doses. I almost had those yesterday with Jimmy John's, but mm-hmm. I didn't. I went mm-hmm. for plain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's there's people that I don't understand them, but hey. you got to take them in doses. That's Room for, for sure. everybody in the kingdom, right? That's right. See, way to bring it back. That yeah. is right. Yeah, well, Abby, thank you so much for speaking on a very hard topic, but I think uh, I know I learned a lot and um, I look forward to reading more through your devotional and just caring for others in a way that you talked about on the podcast. So thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so grateful for you and just your kindness, you're equipping people. And that's such a gift when we feel lost or don't know what to do. Thank you. Thank you. This topic could have been really tough to listen to. And I don't know if miscarriage and pregnancy loss is part of your story, but if it is, I want you to know, I'm really sorry. If you're looking for comfort, I highly recommend Abby's devotional and podcast called held. I'll link it in the show notes. And if you want to connect with Abby, you can find her information in the show notes as well. Before we end our time together, I'd love to go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to connect through technology on such a delicate and hard topic, God. Lord, I pray for the woman um, who's listening who may have walked through a miscarriage or maybe walked through pregnancy loss, Lord, that you would feel very close to her and your presence would feel evident. And Lord, to the person who's walking with a friend through these really hard things, Lord, I pray that you give them wisdom on how to show up for their friend. And Lord, I am just grateful that when we walk through hard things, we are not alone. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.